Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Humanity has this desire and this ability to worship. And that is feature number nine. And that is what we are going to be looking at today. And we need to understand that all the first eight features that we have gone through, they are to be used in this night activity of our soul. Now, the word worship comes from an old English word, which means worthiness, which means meritoriousness. Worthiness. So when we talk about worship, it's like worship or to ascribe merit to something, to ascribe what to something. And this actually gives us a little bit of basic foundation meaning of the word worship. But this does not tell us the whole story of what worship is when you study worship in the scripture. Now, we are not doing an exhaustive study of worship, just like we didn't do exhaustive study of emotion. When you read the scripture, you will see that our worship is actually our response our grateful and humble response to the revelation of God in the scripture is as we respond to this God that is revealed to us in the scripture, when we come across his power, his glory, his might, his wisdom, his love, is our grateful and humble response to the revelation of the living God that is revealed to us in the scripture. And we need to understand, unfortunately, today in our churches, worship is almost synonymous with singing, or singing songs of worship or song of praise. No, worship in the scripture is much more than just corporate singing or a worship service. No, worship does include singing, but unfortunately we can sing and not worship. When you look through the words that are used for worship, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you will see that this word communicates attitude, number one, of sacrificial service, Number two, submission. Number three, reference, then praise, then testimony, and gratitude. And all this can be expressed in various ways. You can express it in singing. You can express it in dancing. You can express it in activity. You can express it in giving. There are various ways in which we can worship. The God that is revealed to us on the pages of the Bible is not one among many gods. It's the only true God. And as we begin to know him, as we begin to to have an experience of him, as we begin to have an encounter with him as he is in himself, then we begin to worship him. We begin to understand that he and he alone is to be worshipped. The God of the Bible is a God that expects worship. It's a God that receives worship. All right. Expect worship not because he is hungry for it, but it's because that is the natural response when you and I truly know him, our response will be to worship. And in the scripture has revealed to us the right way to worship. There is a wrong way to worship. I mean, the thing is this. If we have a wrong revelation of who God is, we will worship him in a wrong way. There are people that worship gods that are not really God, and they worship them out of fear. So the God that is revealed to us in the pages of the Bible is God. And because he's the only God, and because he's the true God, because the living God is the powerful God, our response to him is that of worship. He alone is to be worshipped. We don't worship angels. We don't worship demons. We don't worship humans. We don't worship any other creature or 
anything in the nature or the elements of nature, the scripture tells us that there is only one God. He alone is to be worshipped. We're going to read Revelation chapter 22, verses 9 to 10. This was John. John was given this tremendous opportunity to be given the revelation of the thing that is going to happen at the end of the world. God gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to the angel. The angel gave it to John so that John can give it to you. John was so overwhelmed by this revelation that was given to him. And John chapter 22, verses 9 to 10. And I, John, saw this thing and had them. And when I had had and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angels which had shown me this thing. Then saith he unto me, See, thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophet, of them which keep the saying of this book, worship God. And he said unto me, Seal not the saying of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Before I read the second part, here is a mighty, mighty angel. An angel that have revealed such mighty things to, to, to John. And John was so overwhelmed. He, he, he fell down to worship before the feet of the angel. But the angels strongly warned him. See, he said, thou do is not. Don't do it. We don't worship angels. We don't worship demons. We don't worship humans. We don't worship nature or any element of nature. He said, worship God. We only worship God because he alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is to be worshipped. Let's see that same thing happen, not just to angels now, to the apostles. You know, in fact, the foremost among the apostles, Paul and Barnabas, Acts chapter 14. This was in Lystra. They've been to Lystra. They've performed mighty miracles. God performed miracles through their hand. And what happened? When they performed this miracle, people saw them and people said they must be gods. People started saying the gods have come. They called this one, this name, that one, that name, and they brought animals to be sacrificed unto Paul and Barnabas. So let's pick it up from there. Acts chapter 14 from verse 14. Which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, had, when they heard of this thing that they are calling them gods and they want to worship them, the Bible says that they rent their clothes. They're running among the people, crying out, and saying, Sir, why do you this thing? We also are men of like passion with you. And we preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God. Verse 18. And with these saints, scars restrained they the people that they had not turned sacrifice unto them. I mean, these are men that understand that no matter how God is using you, no matter how powerful God is using you, maybe the angel that God is using to reveal things to John, or you may be the apostle, the prophet. You may be the teacher, the, the evangelist, or the pastor that God is using to impact the life of people for his kingdom or the power of God is flowing through you. You are still a man. You are still a woman. Sir, he said, what are you doing? We are men of like passion like you. We are men. We are women. We are human. Don't do it. Unfortunately, there are so many that have shipwrecked their faith. There are so many that have been anointed by God, but they have touched God's glory. And they have fallen flat because they don't understand or they don't, you know, demonstrate in their own life that all glory and all worship must belong to God. We have to be careful. I have to be careful, especially 
if God is using you and I in any way that God is using us, we have to be careful that we don't touch God's glory. We give all the glory back to him because God will not share his glory with any man. The apostles ran into the midst of this place. Stop it. We are men of like passion with you. No, don't put us on a pedestal. Don't worship us. Worship God. We are not God. There is only one God. We are his servant, they said. Just like the angel said, and I think we will do well, especially in our days when so many people sometimes act as if they are divine. We are not divine. We are not God. We must not receive worship. Don't allow people to fall down on. Yes, we must respect. We respect. We must respect people. That's not what we are talking about here. We are talking about worship. The situation where people talk about the God of their this, the God of their that, and they, they, we, we, we sometimes can elevate men to a place of worship. We have to be very, very careful. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12, the first part. How art thou falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? What did he say? He said, I will ascend above the eyes of the cloud. I will be like the most high, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the side of the pit. Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 to 21. And the rest of men which were not killed by this plague, yet repented not of the works of their hand, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor work, neither repented they of their murderers and of their sorceries, nor their fornication or their theft. Praise the Lord. Now, what I want you to see there is that that Isaiah chapter 14 was lamenting about the devil. He fell because he dared to touch the glory of God. He said he wants to ascend. He is going to ascribe to himself that which only belongs to God. He was brought down. That pride destroyed him. Now, many of us may not, I may not actually say I will be like the most high, but do I, does my action actually portray that? Or do I shut men and women down just like Paul and Barnabas when they are trying to ascribe unto us that which only belongs to God? Or when they are trying to offer unto us the worship that only belongs to God? Okay? And, and, and we see the repercussion here in the life of, the, of Lucifer. He was such a highly placed, you know, angel, but he fell because he received worship that is due or a desire to receive worship that is due only to God. And we read in that Revelation chapter 9, this is what is going to happen at the end of the world. This is the reason why judgment came, one of the reasons why judgment came upon, upon the people. And the Bible says, but they will still not repent. What was their sin? The Bible says they worship devils. They worship idols, various idols. Idols of money, idols of gold, idols of fame, idols of pleasure. There are various idols that we all worship. And the Bible says that judgment came on them because they will not repent. And I'm trusting and trusting God that whatever has taken the place of God in your heart and my heart will begin to repent. Now, we worship God not out of morbid fear, but out of awe, out of love for him. We worship God with our everything. We worship God with our soul, with our spirit, with our strength, with our money, with our time, with our, our status. We worship God with 
everything because we've come to know and understand the love of God, because we come to know and understand the greatness of God. We worship him, not out of fear that is going to destroy us. We worship him out of love, out of awe. When we see him, when we see God in his glory, when we truly see God in his glory, we will worship him. At Mansinai, the children of Israel saw his glory <laughs> and they ran. They worshiped. Nebuchadnezzar finally saw his glory. He was won by Daniel, but he didn't listen. But finally, he saw his glory. And in, in Daniel chapter 4, he said, he said, Until thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will. And Nebuchadnezzar came to understand that and he came to worship. What about in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5? When Isaiah saw his glory, Isaiah said, Woe is me. He said, for I am undone because I am a man. When we saw his glory, you know, I, I always, I, it always bothers me when I see these men act like if they are God. We are not God. We are mere men. Yes, saved. Yes, graced. Yes, anointed. But we are still men. We are not God. And we need to understand that. Isaiah said, yea, woe, <laughs> who am I? <laughs> because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. No, look, listen, this is not we, you know, pulling ourselves down. Ah, this is not we actually, you know, not walking in faith. Paul and Barnabas said we are men of like passion as you, as you are. Yes, we recognize and we appreciate the things that God has done in our life and we worship him based on that. What about in John? What about in the life of John? Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. John, the John, the apostle that God loves, the apostle that reclined on his breast. You know, when they when they sit in those cultures, they recline. And, and it will be the youngest apostle that will be sitting close to the head of the family. And naturally, he will be the one that will recline on the chest of the head of the family. And that was John that was doing that. The apostle that the Lord loved, the scripture says. But in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, when John saw him in his glory, he fell at his feet as dead. He worshipped. You know, it's interesting to me that when you read the scripture, there are majorly two groups of people that usually fall down. Number one are the people that fall when they worship, when they see the glory of God, when they see the, the might of God, they fall. They fall down, and oftentimes they tend to fall face forward. Now, I'm not making I'm not making any dogma or any teaching out of this. It's just what I notice in the scripture. Those are the first group of people that fall in the scripture. The second group of people that I see that fall in the scripture are people that come under judgment, or people that are demon possessed. John said, "When I saw him, I fell at his feet as one dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not." I am the first and the last. When you and I begin to see him in his glory, we begin to worship him. Worship is ingrained in the nature of human. Worship is, in, is part, is a unique content part of the image of God in us. Worship is unique to humanity. Animals don't worship. You don't see animals organize, you know, worship meetings or build an altar to sacrifice, praise unto the Lord. Or animals calling a meeting and say, let us sing praise. Yes, every, <laughs> every creatures do praise him in that sense of it. But it is us, it is us human that have this 
ingrained nature and capacity and desire in us to worship. To worship God in various ways and passion that we have mentioned. Everyone worships something. Because that is the way God created us. We all have a unique inclination to worship someone or to worship something. It is not a matter of whether you worship. It's a matter of who do you worship. Do you worship money? Do you worship fame? Do you worship a tree, a rock? Do you worship money? Do you worship an ideology, a political ideology, an economic ideology? Do you worship your work? Do you worship? Who do you worship? Everyone worships something. And you need to understand that the glory that commands your attention and affection with it determine your worship. It is your value. It is your worldview. It is the glory that commands your attention. It is the glory that commands your affection that will demand or determine your worship. Whether, whether you worship the true God or whether you worship the false God. You know, it was interesting when you read Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 to 9. The devil actually demands worship from our Lord Jesus Christ by first showing him glory. I'm trying here to underscore the fact that where your heart is, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. That where your treasure is, that is where your worship will be. It is that glory that commands your attention and your affection and your respect that will determine your worship. Let's read that in Matthew chapter 4. We read Matthew chapter 4. We read just two verses. Matthew chapter 4, we read just two verses. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain. And the Bible says, he showed him all the kingdom of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, all these things will I give you if thou will fall and worship me. What is the devil showing you? What's the, what's the world showing you? What is that man showing you? That sugar daddy, that sugar mommy, what are they showing you that is beginning to deceive you and to attract you and to pull you. The Bible says that we sin when we are drawn away by our own lust and we are trapped. But when we begin to see the Lord, when we begin to see him as he is, when we begin to see his glory, the true glory, when we begin to see his honor, the true honor, when we begin to understand him by the reason of the revelation of the Spirit, and we can see that, first of all, in creation, I mean, you can look around you in that which God has created and you can begin to understand that this creation, this majestic creation could not have come by accident. When you see the chaos around us, when you see where we brought ourselves to just because we have turned our back against him, when you see him in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, how much he loves us, that he came to die for us, how much he loves us that oftentimes we, we've denied him, we've grieved him, we've turned against him, we've insulted him. He still come for us. He still seek us for God so loved the world. He still come after us like that, that rich man that is reaching out from the, the prodigal son. When you and I begin to understand that, that this God loves me, we begin to worship him. God has created us as human with ingrained desire an ability to worship. And if we don't turn that worship towards the true God, then we'll turn it to other gods. It's not, remember what I said, it's not a matter of whether you will worship. It's a matter of what you will worship because every single one of us worships something. Every single one of us. But 
The only, it's only the worship of God that will lift you, that will give you salvation, that will give you deliverance, that will give you peace, that will give you joy, that will give you eternal life. It's only that. Any other worship will bring judgment. Any other worship will bring destruction. Every other worship will bring darkness. And unfortunately, the darkness and the evil that we are seeing around us today is because we stop worshiping the true God. We start worshiping at the altar of knowledge. We start worshiping at the altar of various ideologies. We start worshiping at the altar of humanism. We start worshiping at the altar of all sorts of ism and ideologies of this world. We have point our fingers straight into the eyes of God and say we don't want him. We rejected him in so many worlds. We've, we've driven him out of our schools. We've driven him out of marriages. Even, unfortunately, many churches have been driven out. And most of what is going on is, is humanism, is, is, is demonism. And, and, and people are seeking other powers. And that is what is responsible for the darkness in our world today because we've rejected it. But we can come back. We can repent. And I'm praying that you will. And if you are listening to me tonight, you and I can actually turn back to him and say, Lord, forgive me. I've done it my way, just like that prodigal son. He came to his senses. You and I can come to our senses and return and say, God, forgive me. Save me. You are the only savior. I'm a rebel. Save me. And he will. He will come in. He will rescue and deliver and save you. He will take that heart of stone out of you and give you a new heart give you his own spirit and walk with you as a father, as a friend, and as your Lord. And more importantly, when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him in heaven. Everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. It's not whether you and I are going to spend We don't disappear. It is where are you going to spend eternity? You can spend eternity with this God that loves you. If you receive him today as your Lord and Savior, do it today. Tomorrow may be too late. Please do. Please do it now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.